Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Ches, Shavuot Tov. Today's she is Le'ilu Nishma, Sinonson Velvel Ben Avram, and Dov Ber Yakutil Ben Aaron. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. Also for a full Shleimah of Pinchas Kalman Ben Rivka, may he have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, okay, so I think let's go from the top of Yud Ches Amud Aleph, um, 18a, the first line. The Gemara is continuing with its analysis of the second half of the Mishnah. Remember the Mishnah started, Rabbi Yeshua said, it says, Rabbi Yeshua agrees if someone says to his friend, This was your father's field and I bought it from him. We believe him. Rabbi Yeshua agrees in this case we believe him. Again, this is your father's, this was, this this house that I'm living in was your father's but I bought it from him. Why The mouth that caused the isur, the mouth, the mouth that incriminated himself, it is the same mouth that permitted. He incriminated. He should never have raised the issue. This guy wasn't, wasn't, didn't have any issues, wasn't raising any concern. So he comes and he says, you know, this used to be your father's. And other guys say, oh, so why are you living in it? So he raised it himself. That's Hapesh Asur. He's incriminating himself. I'm going to use that in a different context later on in the Daf, but that's what he's setting himself up for the court case. Who Hapesh Asur, who Hapesh Ahitik. Then, so that's, that's uh, the first clause of Rebbe Yushua. And then the second clause, If they aid him that it used to belong to the fathers, for who And he says, yeah, but I bought it from him. Eino Neeman, in that case, he's not believed. He'd have to bring some sort of proof that he did buy it from the father. Now, the Gemara wants you to know in yesterday's stuff, why teach a case of where he says, I, this field used to belong to your fathers, but I bought it from him. Why not make it much more straightforward? Say, this used to be your field. You know, sitting around, uh, thing. this used to be your field, and I bought it from you. Or remember, this was your field, and I bought it from you. Why don't we use that as the case of Apeshe also who Apeshe to? Why go to this used to be your father's? So the Gemara on yesterday's, again on yesterday's stuff, concluded that no, it's because the last point said that, but if there are aiding that it used to belong to him, then he's incriminated himself. Sorry, then, then he's not incriminating himself. There's already the aiding that, uh, that it used to belong to this guy. Now that doesn't work in a case of a in land, because he could still be believed if he has a chazoka. This is actually Baba Basra. Baba Basra discusses, at what point do we consider you the one who's the owner of the land? Because if someone is, we know that he bought it from the father, or he bought it from this guy 20 years ago, but he's been living on it ever since. At what point, did, and he does, let's say he's lost his star, so at what point? So for three years. So at that point, even if they aid him that this used to be his land, this guy's claim of I bought it for you could be believed. So that's why, because of that last line of but if Adim say, is why we couldn't teach the case of your father. So now we're going to give another solution. It says, okay, This next solution is, that's all to do with land. But why not switch it to metaltalin, a movable property? So he says, Why don't the, doesn't the Mishnah teach? Rabbi Yeshua agrees where one says to his friend, I borrowed um, money from you, but I paid you back. 
he should be believed. Again, why should he be believed? Because he's incriminating himself and he's releasing himself. So he says, no. So, so why didn't the Mishnah teach that case? Because it wants to teach the last clause. Because then to fit it in with the last clause of the mission, you'd have to say, if there were Adim that he lent him the money, that, that he borrowed the money from this guy, and he says, but I paid you back, he is not believed. Again, so we're substituting this case into the Mishnah. So again, Rabbi Yeshua started off saying, if he says to him X, then he is believed. So in this case, it would be if he said to him, I borrowed money from you, but I paid you back, he'd be believed. But it also has to fit in with the last clause of the Mishnah, which says, however, if they aid him that X happened, he is not believed. So what, how would we translate into this case? But if they were aid him that he borrowed the money, then he would not be believed to pay him back. Now, but we, Paskin, if someone borrows money with witnesses, he does not have to pay him back before witnesses. Aye, so even so, so this actually this line, if we slot this case into the line of the last mission, it doesn't make sense because it would be saying if there were aidim that he borrowed the money, he could not pay him back. But that's not the halacha. He, sorry, he would not be believed. That's not the halacha. If there were aidim that he borrowed the money, he could still pay back the loan, not in front of aidim, and therefore, and he would be believed. So that wouldn't work. Okay, so fine, but listen, another suggestion. Interesting enough, it's an interesting style of Gomorrah's discussion, but it's saying, Rabbi Yeshua taught his halach as this case. Why don't we teach this case? No, it doesn't work because of that. Why don't we teach that case because it doesn't work on this? So now we're going to have another suggestion of cases. And just interesting enough, the Rishonian then take it a next step. The next step. So the Gomorrah has a few suggestions of why wasn't the case discussed in the Mishnah case X, and it gives a few possibilities, which again, it's refuted, but the Rishonin then say, okay, well, let's try to find another whole list of possibilities and why the, why the Mishnah was in those cases. So they actually almost take the Gomorrah, they add cases to the Gomorrahs. But okay, let's, we'll focus on the, the cases the Gomorrah brings. So he says, um, the if someone says, I borrowed money from your father and I paid back half, he is believed. Now, what's the novelty of this? So again, you said, I borrowed uh, uh, 100,000 rand from your father, and, but I paid back 50,000 rand. So generally, when someone partially admits to a claim, he has to take a shvua, the Torah, a, a dorais, a shvua of what's called moideba mixes, partial admission. We'll see at the bottom of the page a bit more of the logic behind it. But again, so if Ruvain says, your father owed, I owed your father money, but I paid back half of it, you would expect him to have to take a, moide, a shvua moideba mixes. And Rabbi Yeshua is saying, no, since it's apesha also, who apesha itir, he was the one who introduced the whole discussion. You know I actually owed your father some money and I paid half of it back, since he's the one who forbids the full amount on himself, and then admits partially, and he would be believed. But the Gemara says, wait, I a man. This line saying that he's believed doesn't fit in with either opinion. He says, yeah, Libet Rabbanon, the Rabbanon viewed this case as someone returning a lost object. Now before I explain how this is returning a lost object, what's special about returning a lost object? So strictly speaking, you find a wallet full of money on the floor. 
I don't want it with, I don't know, a thousand rand in it. And then you announce it in Shul and someone comes and they give you the simanim and you return it. And they say, hey, there's only a thousand rand in it. When I lost it, there was two thousand rand in it. Pay up the thousand rand that you've kept. No one's ever going to take So that's Doraisa, he should have to because he's claiming you owe me two thousand rand, you've got my wallet, you owe me two thousand rand and there's only one thousand rand in it. So he should have to take a shvur that he didn't take the, it's moed of a miktas. So if that was the case, Trap wouldn't come along and say, if that's the case, no one's ever going to return a lost object. You're really putting yourself on the line um, financially if you return a lost object. Because whatever you return, the guy's going to say, and what about the other half of it? Now, oh, you found my, my jersey, my jersey and my jacket were in the same thing. Oh, you found my jacket. Well, my wallet was in my jacket pocket. Oh, you found my wallet. What about the money, the credit cards in the wallet? So no one would return. So they say, where someone is Meshiva Veda, you don't have to take a shvua moedeva mitzas. We kind of trust the person returning the lost object. And we're going to extend it to this case. Um, when, the, when the person goes to this kid, we're going to see whether it discuss whether it's actual kid or not, but he goes to this kid and he says, you know, I borrowed money from your father and, here's the other, and I paid back half, here's the other half that I loaned, that I borrowed, that's Meshiv Aveda. Because how else would he know that his father needed, uh, was owed the money? He doesn't know everything, every transaction of his father's. So this guy's being Meshiv Aveda. So regardless of whether you hold for Hapesha Osur who Hapesha Itir, according to the Rabbonin, when someone volunteers information and says, oh, you know, I owed your father money and here's what I owed, that's Meshiv Aveda. That's returning. Rashi uses the language. He says... Um, It's a bit later on, he says, uh, but he says, uh, oh, oh, you'll wait till we get to Rabbi Eliezer. Um, but that, that's Rashi, yeah, it's Meshiva Veda, and therefore he would be believed without even coming on to Apesha, also who Apesha Hitri. You don't have to come on to the point of that he's incriminating himself. Even if you don't come on to that principle, he would still get off the shua. So that can't be Rabbana. So he, Ali, but Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. So maybe, it, and if you want to tell me it's Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, he holds, he still has to take a shvua. Rabbi Yeshua said, we believe him based on hapesha asur. So the shvua would not be required. Again, Rabbi Yeshua says, in this case, where someone comes to a, to a child and he says, you know, I owed your father money and I paid back half. I, here's the other half that I owe. Rabbi Yeshua holds, he still has to take a shvua. Now we wanted to say, what would Rabbi Yeshua say? How we understood, if, if we had this as the case of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua would say he should be believed of Apesha Osir, who Apesha Hitur. So he shouldn't have to take the Shua. So it doesn't fit in with Rabbonin who say, whether you hold for Ape, without Apesha Osir, you don't have to take a Shua. And it doesn't fit in with Rabbi Yeshua, who's, with Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov, who seems to say, even if you did, um, even if you do have a pesha also you would still have to take a shvua. So, uh, so that's why the Bryce, the Mishnah can't be this case of someone who's stepping forward and saying, I owed your father money and I've, I've paid back 50%, here's the other 50%. Now we're just going to see the Bryce that teaches this machloi case of Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov and the Rabbonin. So to Tanya we learned in the Bryce, Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov, Oymer, Pa'amim, Sha'onim, Nishba, Altanus, Asmo. Sometimes a person has to take a shvua even on his own claim. I, even where he set himself up, he has to take the shua. 
says, Kaitzad, what's the case? So it would be, as we've just discussed, If someone takes a shvu, says, I owed your father X, but I've paid back half of it, the one who takes the shvua, there's um, he's to take a shvua. He's taking a shvua based on his own claim. Well, why do we mean it's his own claim? He's the one who initiated this claim against himself. Because he stepped forward and said, I owed your father X, but I paid back 50. So he's initiated the claim against himself. That's his own claim. The Chachomim say, no, he's returning a lost object. And therefore he's exempt, as I explained previously with the lost object. By coming forward and saying, you know, I owed your father money, he's doing the huge chesed of returning something that would have been lost to the father, lost to the family. So it's Meshav Aveda. So therefore he's exempt from the Shua. Those are the two ways, that's the price where we see these two opinions. Again, why did we come onto this discussion? To say, let's suggest the Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua, instead of teaching the case of, I bought, ah, this land belonged to your father, but I bought it from him. Why not teach a different case? And the case could have been, I owed your father money, but I paid back 50%. Why not? Why isn't that the case? Because um, that wouldn't fit in with the halacha either way you look at it. Now we're just going to analyze this price a little bit more. Does Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov not hold for this concept of Meshiva, someone who returns a lost object is exempt from the shvua? I... It's a straightforward halacha. It's a straightforward takona derabonin, as I explained, that if someone returns a lost object, they do not have to, and the person claims you're only returning half of it, he does not have to claim, or part of it, not literally half. When I say half, I mean part of it. Um, but he doesn't have to claim half. Mipnei, um, the language there, mipnei tikkun oilam for society to work. If you want someone to return lost objects, you can't make it that he's going to be held accountable for any money that's missing. Um, but now, now, now Rashi explains, I'm just going to read Rashi. Now. If he wouldn't claim the money from him, if this son wouldn't have stepped forward and said, you owe my father money, he would never have to take a shvua. Because again, the son doesn't, why would the son not claim you owe us money? Because he didn't see it in his father's records. So his father was niftar, they're going through all the records and accounts, and there's no, no mention. And this guy stepped, f- and therefore he would never claim from, so let's say Ruvain was the borrower from this guy's father, he would never have claimed from Ruvain. So Rashi uses the is no greater returning a lost object. This person did not know to come and claim this money, and he stepped forward. Ruvain steps forward and says, I owed your father X and I paid back half of it. He's returning the half that he's admitting to he didn't pay. So now you're going to make him take a shvua, he's not going to bother coming forward. So Omar Rav, Batanu Katan. Rav's, um, no, it's where he was claimed, but it was a minor. When a minor makes a claim, it's not considered... Um, it's not considered Meshav Aveda because the person is making the claim on behalf of, the, of his father that you owe money. But we don't make someone take a shvua if it's initiated by a deaf, mute, an insane person or a minor. We see that if a child comes and claims whatever, you owed me money or you, you've, 
you know, whatever the child's claim, he can't force someone else to take a shvua. So the says, no, my katan, what do we mean when we said katan, katan? We meant a god on. We meant an adult. Oh, but my kori like katan. If you mean an adult, why are you calling him a child? A person is always considered a child in regarding his father's businesses, uh, his father's ventures. He doesn't know what his father was up to. He doesn't know every single transaction his father did. So he's always like a child in that regard, not fully aware of what was going on. So that's what... Um, um, so, so where are we holding at the moment? That Rabbi Yeshua holds it's not a case of Meishu Aveda because the child claimed, you owed my father X. And this guy says, yes, I owed your father X, but I paid back half of it. So that's why Rabbi Yeshua holds it's not Meishu Aveda. It's not returning a lost object because the child, who's an adult, knew about it anyway. And we're calling him a child because generally a child's a person is not fully aware, even an adult is not aware of their father's business uh, transactions and loans and everything. So therefore he would be a child. It says, But wait, Rabbi Lezeb ben Yaakov started off his teaching as sometimes there's a, where a person will make his own claim and he will have to take a shvua. This isn't his own claim, this is the guy's son. <coughs> <coughs> Thank you. Um, so that's what this line means. He says, Why does Rabbi Yeshua say it's his own claim? It's someone else's claim. It's the son's claim against him. So the Gemara says, No, True, it is his own claim, but it's his own admission. It's his admission that requires him to swear. Now that's a very weird line. Why? Because what's the standard case of Moedeh B'mitzas? Remember, we start off, what's the Shvur Moedeh B'mitzas? Is I claim X from you, and you admit to it in part. That's the standard case of Moedeh B'mitzas. So if you would completely deny it, we'll see this shortly, let's say I say you owe me 10,000 Rand, and you say, no, I don't, you wouldn't have to take a Shvur, at least on a Dereza level. If I claim you owe me 10,000 Rand, and you admit to owe, says Yes, but I paid back half. That's where you have to take the shvur of partial admission. Um, so just wait. If you say no, I don't, then you just walk out and that's it. Goodbye. Yeah, because you, you must produce the document uh-huh. or the aided that you, you know. Um, so, and we will see why this is a weaker claim. Why, why we make him take a shvur, not in other case. We'll see that shortly. But every moideba mixas is it's this person's admission that makes him have to take the shvur. Again, if, as I said, if he would deny, if you deny owing the money at all, you don't take a shua. It's only where you admit to owing it, but you pay back half, or admit in part to it, that you have to take the shua. So, so Rebbe Lezis comes along and says, sometimes there's a case where you will take a shua on your own claim. And we said, obviously here, it's not his own claim, because it's this guy's child claiming the money on his father's behalf. And his father's nifta, but he's claiming it on his father's behalf. So he said, no, why it's called his own claim? Because it's his partial admission that makes him take the shua. So it's his own claim that's incriminating him. So still, that's the standard moida b'mitzas. There's nothing new in that. He says, But every um, claim of moida b'mitzas is someone else's claim and his partial admission that makes him have to take the shua. So he says, They're arguing in rabba. So, so you can't. So, so we actually can't explain the machloikes 
Rabbonon and Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, as we've just been trying to. So we go back to assume the case is where a cutter, not an adult, but an actual minor is making the claim. Now remember on that we said, wait, if it's a minor making the claim, this 10-year-old says, you owed my father money. We said that a 10-year-old, a minor can't make someone take a shvua. So, so, so there are various answers to that question, but one of them is that... Um, here, where do we say a child can't make a claim? When the child is, is saying the claim from his own transaction. I is saying, you borrowed from me. Or, you are, or I asked you to look after the item that you say has gone missing. That's where a child, it's the child's own transaction. I lent you the money. I asked you to watch the object, etc. That's the child's own transaction. A child can't instigate the shvur. But here, the child's not the one really instigating the shvur. He's making the claim, but it's in, in, on behalf of his father's transactions. So therefore, he can initiate the shvur. That's, okay, that, that, that's a side point in how why, why we couldn't learn it as a mana and why we're changing to go back that we are discussing a tana. And since usually a katan cannot machai the shvur, we call it his own claim. That's what the Gemara is going to answer. Okay? Here, the child comes along and says, you owed my father 10,000 rand. And the guy says, yes, but I paid back 50%. I paid back 5,000 rand. Why is the child... Firstly, we say, why does Rabbi Shua call it his own claim? It's not. It's the child's claim claiming from him. So why is it called his own claim? Because generally, a child would not instigate, could not instigate a Shua. And in this scenario, as I just explained, he can. And therefore, that's why he's believed. So he says, let's see that. Ella, but Rabba Kama Fligi, Doma Rabba, Mibnei Ma'amara Torah, Moida B'miksas, Hatana Yishova. Why does someone who is Moida B'miksas have to take a Shua? Chazoka, because we have a, an assumption. Ein Odom Meiz Pana B'miknei Balchoiva. A person is not going to be so brazen before his creditor. Again, uh, Different ways of understanding, but let's see. A creditor, he did him a huge favor. He lent him the money. And now the guy's going to clay, stand up in court and say, you owe me 10,000 rand. And the guy's going to say, no, I don't. You owe me 100,000 rand. He's going to say, no, I don't. He's not going to have the chutzpah to say that. And interesting enough, this guy really, why is he admitting to part of the claim? Because he wanted to really deny the whole claim. And why is he not... Denying the whole claim because he doesn't have the chutzpah, the brazenness to deny the whole claim of the loan. And in truth, he really wants to admit to everything. Also, why is he not admitting to the loan? He wants to escape it. He says, when I have the money, I'll pay, thinking it is mine. When I have the money, I'll pay him back. Oh, we're not speaking about a bad guy. We're not assuming this guy's trying to steal the money. He's a, he's a good guy. So why is he denying the loan? Well, he doesn't have the cash on hand, and he's miles, you know what, I'm going to deny it, but I will pay him back. And there, but that, Now, what's the harder claim? This guy, so this guy's done him a huge favor. He wants to push off the loan by another month or two. He just, so he's not going to have the chutzpah to say, you never lend me money. This guy did him a huge favor by lending him money. He's not going to say, um, never lend me money. He's going to say, um, no, I, yeah, you did, but I've already paid back most of it. So since that's an easier way to slither out without, you know, being too chutzpahdik, you're admitting this guy did you the favor, and you have no intent you're going to pay it back, but it's an easier claim, so we make him take a shvur. 
says Varachmona Omer Rami Shvuah Lekeichi to Lodi Lebekula. Therefore, the Rabbanon say you must take a you must place a Shvuah on him so that he admits to all of it. He's not going to get away with this partial admission. He's going to have to um, take a Shvuah that he only borrowed half, which, as we know, in this case, he didn't. So he has to take a Shvuah. Now we. Um, now the question, so, so, so that's the standard, under, that's the understanding behind Moedem Amitzas. Why if you take a partial admission, do you have to take the Shvua? But if you deny the whole loan, do you not have to take a Shvua? Gavin, this is what you're asking if you... Um, there's a big discussion that, but still, um, like why wouldn't he... Again, if, he's, if he doesn't have malicious intent, he says, I, I don't have the cash, I just want to push it off another month or two, so I'm going to deny it, whatever. Um, why wouldn't he, etc. There's a big discussion on the logic behind these, but we don't have the time to go into it. Um, but now let's plug it back into our sugya. Because remember we said, so this, what Rabba's teaching us, Rabba's teaching us the logic behind Moedah B'mitzvah, or the basics for behind Moedah B'mitzvah. Again, that person's not going to be brazen to his creditor who's done him this huge favor and say, you, and you never lend me. Even if he wants to get out of paying some of the loan, again, at the moment, we're not assuming we're speaking with a liar, but someone who wants to get out of paying back right now. So I don't have the cash, but I don't want them to take my car. I don't have the cash, but I don't want them to uh, take my house. I'm going to admit to half the loan, and I'll pay back the rest in two months when I get it. Um, the rest. So that, that's an easier claim for him to make, and therefore we make him take the shvur. Now, remember, Rebeleza and, and the Rabbonin were arguing in a case of his son, where this guy's son comes and says, you owed my father X. That's where they have the machloket. Do we extend this, this assumption, this chazoka that a person, chazoka ein if uh, a person will not be brazen before, uh, before his creditor, do we say that about the son as well? Remember, the son hasn't done him any favor. It was the father who lent him the money. And now his son's coming to claim the money on behalf of his father. Do we say that he won't be brazen or not? So Rebeleza bin Yaakov Savar, Loishna Bo, makes no difference whether it's him or no difference whether it's his son. He's not going to be brazen. Therefore, it's not considered returning a lost object. Um, Because anyone in response to a claim that he should admit, and he admits to it, in, uh, sorry, anyone in response to a claim cannot be said to be doing the guy a favor. The guy knows he owes him the money. So you're not doing a favor by admitting it. Um, again, what's Rabbi Ben Yaakov saying? Just as a person would not be brazen to the, to the person he borrowed the money from and say, you never lent me the money, denying the whole amount, the person would never have that chutzpah. So too, a person would not be brazen to that person's son to say, your father never ever lent, never lent me any money. He views it as the same thing, just it was his father's huge chesed to give him the money, and therefore he's not going to have the chutzpah before the son as well. And therefore, it's a standard case of whatever makes us, and he would have to take a shvur. That's how Rebbe and Yaakov use it. Rabban and Sovri, the Rabban and holds. Who? Da'eno meiz. Aval bivno. Mayors. He wouldn't be brazen to him, but he would be to the person who actually lent him the money, but he would be brazen to the person's son. The person's son hasn't done him any good, so why not uh, have a bit of chutzpah? By the fact that he was not brazen and he did not deny, deny the whole claim, 
We considered him someone who returned a lost object. Um, okay, so that's the basic uh, that's the basic overview of the sugi. There are some interesting points in the in the poskim and, and thing to discuss. Um, because remember, if you sure, remember this whole discussion was one just one of the points. I'll just raise it. Oh, you know what? That's, that's quite complex. I think let's go on. Um, Yeah. The Rabbonin came along and made a Xera on someone who's Koferakol. If someone lends money and then you take them to Beisdin to pay and they say, no, you never lent me money. As I said, they wouldn't, uh, they would be believed, they would get away with it. And the reason, and because the, the Torah, basically this Doraisa assumes, Einar Omeiz, Ponov, Bibnei Balchovia, a person's not going to be brazen to deny someone who did a huge chesed. Well, it's no. Um, now, nowadays, or in the times of the Gemara, people would, and therefore they did institute a shvua even in that case. But again, that would be a rabbinic shvua compared to a doraisa, a, a shvua that the Torah imposes on you. Um, I don't remember the nafkimnas, but there would be a few differences between that. Okay, now on to the next Mishnah. So when one produces a star to collect a loan, it needs to be a verified star. So now, up to here we were discussing where the person doesn't have I get any proof that he made the loan because if you have proof that you have the loan, then the guy's going to have to bring proof that he paid back, you know, something like that. So, um, so here it's where he's producing a star, a document, a loan document to say you owed me the money, and it has to be a verified one. I'll say it at the beginning because it comes up relevant in the Mishnah. There are three main ways that a person can verify a star. One is he brings the witnesses who are signed on the star to say that they signed that star. That's going to be actually the first one that the Mishnah discusses. So let's say you have whatever, Ruvain and Shimon are signed on the star, Benji and Gavin are signed on the star, so I bring them to Beisdin to say that, yes, they signed it. Another possibility is um, other Adim come and testify that they recognize these signatures. So Mervyn's done a lot of business dealings with them. So you come to court and you tell me, no, I recognize these are their signatures. Okay, then the star's verified. And then a third way that of verifying the star is based in compare their signatures with other signatures of theirs. And so, oh, the signatures line up. That is a good, uh, uh, that's a good verification. So the first one is where, the, the first half of the mission is where the Adim themselves are verifying their signatures on this loan document. So he says, Ha'edim she'omru, if you have Adim who say, Ksav yodainu huzeh, this is our signature. Avala nusim hayu, we were forced to sign. Ketanim hayinu, we were youngsters. We were invalid, or psula edus hayinu, we were invalid Adim, we were relatives at the time. He was married to a close relative of ours. Now, subsequently, they got divorced or, or died, but we couldn't sign. We were possible Adim at the time. Now, Hare Elu Nemonim, these Adim are believed. Now, this is very interesting. What, what's the amazing point here is, as soon as they admit to that, well, yeah, as soon as they admit to that being their signature, then we should ignore any other claim that they have. We have a star with their signatures on, so this sounds good. But we're kind of, we're employing hapeshe osur hu hapeshe hitir. But the fact that they're the ones who are giving this document credibility by admitting to their signatures, 
they're also taking away the credibility by saying, but we were forced, but we were invalid, or we were minors, or something like that. Remember, invalid Adem could be, we were, what, we're serial gamblers at the time. Serial gamblers aren't possible Adem, so that's, they could invalidate themselves in any way. Yes. It happens today. Yeah. Two people sign up for the pastor, the rule, the guy's secretary, and he asks the tea lady to sign as well. Yeah. And she says, in court, no, I, I can't read English. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, um, yeah, so, so you'd have to look at... But it has yeah. happened. Yeah. So that, I think it's, it's primarily discussed in the end of Baba Basra, the verification of Shtaros. So maybe we'll have to see uh, the securities and the setups, uh, the, the, more about Shtaros. But yeah, that is a, that is a thing. She's scared of her boss. Yeah. So, so, so we'll see what type of coercion we're speaking about. Um, that's one point. Okay, and then the other point is, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll have to see what type of coercion. Um, and then, interesting enough, I mean, just to compare, what, what the, what the, I mean, this is again not a discussion of Al Gomorrah directly; it's for another sukya. But when they are signing on the document, are they there? The docu, the document is, is what is the status of the document? Is it, it's a record of what they saw talk took place. Not a, interesting enough when how. Contracts that you often get people to sign work are very interesting. You basically go up to your friend and say, I uh, borrowed money, please just sign the document that I borrowed money. He didn't actually witness you take the money. But it should be that he does witness you take the money, but that's another problem. If he's just signing to a star, that he's not actually witnessing the event. That's a, that's, that's a whole problem in its own right. Um, which I'm just saying, like you see a lot of people when they're signing these staros, they're not actually. This, this tea lady, she never saw the owner lend, the, her boss lend the money to his friend. She's, her boss is just asking her to sign this document, so she signs it. Um, so that, that, that would be an added concern. Okay, but back to our case. So again, where they have Hapesha, also Hapesha, Hitir, they're the ones who are giving this star credibility by saying, yes, that is my signature. They're also the one who's taking away that credibility by saying, but I was. Forced, etc. Or now, if there's a set, remember we mentioned there are three ways of verifying the star. What happens if the star is verified because there are other items that this is their signature, or they have another document, I guess also a verified document, that it from that proves it's their signature, and they're not believed. Because now this star is a verified star, and they come to say that when we signed that star, we, we were invalid. But it's already a verified star, so what gives them the power to just undermine the star? Okay. In the first case, they the, were the ones who gave the star its verification. They're the ones who said, yes, that's our signature. We had no other way of verifying the star except they come along and say, yes, that's our signature. But they will also come along and say, but we were possible, but we were forced, etc., um, whereas in the second case, it's a verified star, and they're coming along and saying, but um, it's not good. Now, Omar Rami Barkhama Loishonu, Rami Barkhama says, this that their signatures can be verified elsewhere, we don't believe them. I, this last clause of the Mishnah, this, and where they sign elsewhere, we don't believe them. Elisha is only Elisha Omru Anusus Hayinu Mahmas Mamon, where we, they say we were forced. Because with the, through monetary pressure. But if they say our lives were in danger if we didn't sign it, then they would believe. 
Now we'll discuss the difference shortly, but what's the, what is the nafkamin? If the tea lady's worried that she's going to be fired if she doesn't sign the document, you're not allowed to sign a document. You're not allowed to sign a document to, inc- to do something against another person because you're going to have a financial loss. The guy comes and says, you don't sign this document, I'm going to go burn your house down. You're not allowed to sign a document to affect someone else to protect your financial needs. So that's, that's making yourself a Russia. That's incriminating. But if you say, he held a gun to my head and said, sign this document, well, there, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to give up your life to save someone else's money. So that's, why, so that's the difference here. He's saying, this that we said in the last clause, if they say, but I was for... Um, again, he ca- the, we have a verified star, and the person signed on the document, or the item signed on the document, come along and say, yeah, we know it's verified, and we did sign it, but we were forced. It makes a big difference why, why they were forced. If they were forced, I, we're going to uh, st- I don't know, burn down your house, wreck your car, whatever, slash your tires, then... They're incriminated, then they're not believed. But if they say we were forced, then we are believed. Um, and the reason Rashi says here, um, yeah, I'll just read to Rashi. It's the second Rashi under the Gemara. If you go in line where the Mishnah starts in Rashi, that's the inner column, it says, Loishanu. So that you will read that line. So Rami Bar Kama said, Lo shonu de'im, it's only taught de'im ksav yodom yotimimokom acher eno nemonim, that if the document is verified from an elsewhere, they are not believed. Ele she'omru anusos hainu machmas mani, mamon, is only where they're claiming we were forced under financial duress. The love called keminayu l'shavye nafshayu rishoy, because they don't have the right to make themselves into evil people rishoy. But edus pihem beliefsoles ashtar through their testimony and to invalidate the star. To adam korav etzel atzmo, a person is his own relative. Just as you can't testify against on, on well against or on behalf of a close relative, you're your own relative. The eino neman al atzmo and he's not believed regarding himself. Loy lezakos velolachava. Russia, um, whether to make innocent or whether to make guilty, whether in a capital case or whether in psula edos, to make himself a Russia, and invalidate it through his speech. And they're invalidating themselves by saying we signed falsely. I, we did sign, but it's an invalid signature. Bishul Oines Mamon, because of uh, because we were held under financial duress. And the Reisha, the reason they believed is because of Hitir. So how are we learning this? So very interestingly. Okay, a person is not allowed to incriminate himself. Okay, different different to the first case of Hitir of incriminate I you creating the claim against you. Yeah, a person is not allowed to... A person is not allowed to testify to something that makes him wicked. The reason is, you're a relative to yourself, so you can't testify about yourself and make yourself uh, a Russia. So here, that's what we're saying. In this last case, if he was threatened, we'll, bur- we'll uh, burn your car if you don't sign it, and he says, I still signed it, he's making himself a Russia. You're not allowed to sign falsely in that case. But if he says... I was, they held a gun to my head and made me sign it. That doesn't make him a Russia. He's allowed to sign a document to save his life.
false, he's allowed to falsely sign a document to save his life. And that's, um, so therefore, in the second clause, we do not believe him. When the star is verified from elsewhere and he says, yes, but I was possible when I signed it, I was forced when I signed it, we don't necessarily believe him. But in the first case, even though he's making, in the first half of the Mishnah, where he's the one verifying the star, even though he's making himself a Rasha, he is believed because he's because he has a pesha asur. He could have just let, said, "No, that's not my signature." But the fact that he says it is my signature, but I was forced, even though he's making himself a Rasha, he is believed in that case. So he says, "Amalei Rabba, call Kaminei." Rabba says, "Does he have such a right? Can an aid uproot his testimony by claiming his life his life was in danger?" We have another principle in. Uh, in the what's it the judicial procedure it says once someone has testified he's not allowed to change his testimony and that his signature on the document is the equivalent of testimony so as soon as he's testified he can't come back later in the day or later in the month or a few years later and say and adjust his testimony maybe you'll say no this that a person can't adjust his testimony is when he testifies orally. But where he's testifying is through writing, I signing a star. Maybe he can adjust it. Adjust his claim. Lakish says, Someone, a witness signed on a document that's as if he's been interrogated in Beisdin. It's normal testimony, this, um, this this signed on a document is considered testimony. So, so, so Rabbi is saying, this, or Ravi is saying, this whole thing doesn't get off the ground because you're assuming that when this person test, signed his document, he offered testimony, and then when he comes later on and says, no, but I was possible, or but I was forced, or even if he says, yes, that is my signature, but I was, he's adjusting his claim, and a person is not, he's adjusting his testimony and a person's not we have again that principle is once a person has testified he's not allowed to revise his testimony no ki itmar arisha itmar actually so rami bar khama must have been speaking about the first clause of the mishnah which is haray elu nemanim in these cases he's believed this, okay, in the first case, it's where a person is verifying his own star. So that's his testimony. Again, what's, what's his testimony on the star is when the star is verified and based in. So when he steps forward and he says, I signed that document, but I was forced. That's his one testimony. It's not, a, it's not a case of where the document was verified, I, that's his testimony, and then a bit later, or a while later, he comes and he says, but, and he wants to change that verification of the document. Where they're varying the start, it's all considered one ADUS. So the one ADUS again is, that is my signature, he's the one verifying his own signature, but I was forced. So Rami Barkhama, he says, that is only, he's only believed where it's anusin machmas nefoshos, where his life was in danger. They held a gun to his head and said silent. Aval omru anusim hayinu machmas mamon. But if they said we were forced because they were threatening us financially, ain't on him, they not believed. My timer, what's the reason they're not believed? A person is not believed to make himself a Rasha. So interestingly, in this case, we're saying that, um, that 
even he can't use Hapesha Asur when it makes him a Rasha. If he says, I signed that document, but I was forced, they threatened to burn down the house if I don't sign the document, even though he's the one who's verifying his signature, and he's the one who's basically saying, but my signature's in, it was I signed falsely, he's making himself a Rasha, so even though it's Hapesha Asur, who Hapesha Hitir, he's not believed. However, if he's not making himself a Rasha, his claim is that um, his, his claim is that uh, we were forced at gunpoint to sign. So again, it, it's all in the same sentence. He says, yes, that, yes the, the Bays didn't come along and they say, look, we have the star, we need it verified. And it's got your name on it. He says, yes, I signed it, but I was forced at gunpoint to sign it. There he's believed through Hapesha Asur, who Hapesha Hitir. He's the one who admits to the signature, but he's also the one who's undermining it by saying it. But again, it has to be done in the way that he's not a Rasha. And I was hoping to go a bit further, but I think let's leave it there for today. And we'll start this new piece tomorrow. Have a very good week.